All right, so we are going to continue by reviewing some of the topics we looked at a few weeks ago. Um, before we get into this specific topic to review, I would like to have a larger conversation about the uh, our ultimate goal as far as length, what we're looking for, and those sorts of things. And so what I want to do is show you a couple of examples of statements of faith for purposes of um, just giving you an idea of what some other churches have done. And I apologize for this being small, so we will see, see how readable this is, then we'll figure it out from there. Yeah, that's not very readable. Alright, let's try looking off the front light for starters. Alright, we're gonna we're gonna do some zooming here because it's a little hard to read. Alright, let's try there. Yeah. Is that a little better? Alright. So this is an example from Let's see, whose is this? This is this is Grace up in Waterford. So I just went with churches where I know the pastors because then it's pulling from some that would be in a similar spot. So just as an example, let's go down to... Uh, so here's their statement on man. We believe man was created on the sixth day of creation in the image of God as a direct and supernatural act of God. The image of God in man is moral, mental, social, and is not necessarily physical. Uh, this image, although severely marred at the fall, is not totally lost or removed. So, four paragraphs uh, going into some detail of what we believe, or what they believe about the doctrine of man. So, then let me go to um, this one is, uh, first, let me make that a little bit bigger. There we go. This is, uh, First Baptist of Troy. Their statement on man is just this part right here. We believe God created man in his own image by a direct act on the sixth day of creation week. We believe man deliberately disobeyed the expressed will of God, therefore fell under God's condemnation of the power of sin. We believe that the resulting effect of sin on man touches his entire being, leaving him completely unable to earn God's favor or contribute to his own salvation. So, obviously there's a significant difference between those two in the amount of detail. Uh, I think I have one more pulled up. Let me take a quick look. Um... Yeah, this is make that a little bit bigger for you. This is uh, uh, First Baptist over in Sterling Heights. We believe man was created in the image of God as a direct creation, not in any sense the product of animal ancestry, and that God wonderfully and immutably creates each person as male or female. 
We believe that the human race fell when Adam sinned. As a result, man is dead in trespasses and sins. Man is totally depraved, meaning that of himself he is utterly unable to remedy his lost condition. Man is a sinner both by nature and by choice. So, here's my tension. I think that that is something that someone walking in off the street could understand with a little bit of explanation. And I think that gets at some of the core things that must be believed in order to genuinely be a Christian and be a part of our assembly. So here's the tension. Let's say that somebody says, okay, I believe, I believe all this, but I, um, I really think that uh, abortion is, is a legitimate option. Let's just say that's their background because nobody's ever taught them about it and that's just what they've always believed. I don't think that this first part of this statement necessarily excludes that because it doesn't have any statement about the sanctity of life. All right, so then we have to say, so do we put something specifically about we're opposed to abortion, euthanasia, and murder? Or how do we work that part in there? And at what point do we start getting it so long that we're back to the original issue, which is here's something long and unwieldy and, and perhaps not entirely reasonable for a new believer to assent to every part of it. I don't know if this is the ideal solution, but something that I've been thinking about, particularly over the last few days, is that I feel like there should be a, a um, if you want to put it, a, a basic statement of faith that every member of the church has to agree to. And then I wonder if it would be also helpful if there was a more detailed expression of it that was a requirement for someone who clearly you would want the pastor to probably agree to a little bit more than just that. You would want the um, Sunday school teacher, right? Um, probably deacons, anybody else who has some sort of, of uh, elected or appointed position within the church, I think should be a little bit more in line with a more detailed understanding of where the church is at. So. I'm not saying we necessarily need to explore that further right this minute, but I'm thinking that might address some of our potential tensions between we're saying too little and we want to say more, but we don't want to make it too long, would be to say, and, and I think that this gets into, let's say that someone joins the church and they're not fully convinced of a uh, pre-trib, pre-millennial view of the end times. Uh, can someone be a Christian and not agree to that? I think yes. The question we have to ask ourselves is, do we want that person joining our church and, and, uh, if they don't agree to that? And Do we put that as a barrier at the front door? Do we put that as a barrier to leadership? Because theoretically you could have the possibility of someone saying, well, I don't want an official position, but let me go around and stir up trouble because this is just an idea that I have. So that's the tension. So again, this isn't something we have to decide on today. This is just an, a potential solution to this idea of short versus long and when and where is it most critical. It's just something I want us to think about a little bit. Yes? Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll
Yeah. So here's here's an example, and I don't. I will have to touch base with Pastor Harding to understand better where he's coming from with this. But so here's their here's their statement of belief. If you scroll down to the bottom, and then we go to here's doctrine of man. There's a more extensive one. So, I, ex I assume, th so there would be a couple of different options. One would be, we just have a basic one, that's the, um, the one that everyone has to agree to, and that's all we have. Another would be that we have a short one, and then we have a fuller explanation of it on a second page like this. Another, a third would be the option I was talking about, that we say, if you're going to serve in a leadership role in the church, you must also agree to these more extended things. And I'm not sure if that's the way they use it. I didn't have opportunity to touch base with him. Maybe I could do that this week and get some more feedback. Which? Yeah. So, I just want to propose that as an option. Paul, yes. And that then creates that question in people's minds. Um, yeah.
let me let me push back on you and, and make this point. I think those would be the two big issues in our immediate circle of very conservative independent Baptist churches. Broader evangelicalism, there's discussions over things like inerrancy and that sort of thing. So I think uh, I think that is a factor as well because if you have someone who's coming from a broader evangelical background, it's things like inerrancy, it's things like some of that, uh, I can't think of some of the other hot button issues at the moment. If you have someone who's coming from completely no church background whatsoever, then it's issues like marriage, what does it mean to be a human being, creation, some of those sorts of things. So I think you have to say, where is the person who's potentially joining our church coming from? No church background, evangelical church background, a conservative uh, independent Baptist background, and so the more narrow the scope, the more specific or the, the nature of the issues changes somewhat. So to get to Paul's point, um, and just to be clear, um, where I'm at on this is this is something that I'm thinking through too. It's not like I'm saying let's make a recommendation right today. My, what I've been thinking through is I feel like some of what when we did our first review, I felt like some of that was a little bit unwieldy. And that was even, you know, my attempt to summarize everything that we had talked about was still a little bit too long. So how do we address that while not leaving out important things? I think having two levels of detail, not, and to get to Paul's point, not that, um, not that it's different, but... Um, so, just as an example, let me, well, yeah, I was going to blank it, I can put the blank, okay, um, oh, it's looking, no, no, I'm, I'm good on that, I was looking for a, is there a black one, in the closet, okay. Ah. There we go. Okay. So, so you have the doctrine of man, and let's say, um, let's say, all right. So here, here's a good, here's a good example. I think. So you have the doctrine of man, and then so then we say that man has a material and an immaterial. So then we have the question of how many parts is the material and the immaterial made up of? Is it two parts or three parts? I don't think that you need to necessarily, what's that? Yeah, right. I don't think that you necessarily have to go into a huge amount of detail with um, a new believer on understanding all the ins and outs of this part of the discussion. But if they say, yeah, I don't believe we have a soul. That's kind of a problem for someone joining the church, right? So that's, that's part of the tension, the degree of specificity. When it comes to something like, like um, end times, you have the difference between 1 Thessalonians 1.10, wait for a son from heaven, and pre-trib, pre-mill, 
you know, all of those sorts of things, literal kingdom, some of those sorts of things. I think that if you have no concept of Jesus coming back and, and you don't believe that he's coming back and all of those sorts of things, that seems to have been something that was kind of a basic thing that the early church believed, like all believers held to that. And it's emphasized consistently in Paul, the apostles, writing. Uh, right. So this is, these are the sorts of things that we're talking about. This is not contradictory to this. It's a further explanation of that. Paul. Yes. Such as? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and I think that there would be a difference. All right, so let's bring it back to the, the man, sin. I put all of those things in brackets because those are the categories I'm trying to sum up in this one statement. And uh, just as an aside, uh, you could theoretically, if you look in the middle of the paragraph where it says value all human life, you could draw a line between those, between that and the word although, and we could split this into two paragraphs. I'm fine with that. Uh, man and sin are very closely related, so you could either split them or lump them together. So, All right, so man, God directly created man in his own image on the sixth day of the creation week. What things is that statement excluding or affirming? Okay. Right, so six days of creation... And I think if you say sixth day of the creation week, we could certainly go into more detail and a fuller explanation, but hopefully uh, any, any reasonable explanation by any of the members of our church on what the sixth day of creation week would mean, I would think would be that it, this is not interminable ages described as days. And, but I think it would be helpful to explain it in a fuller explanation. Anything else from this statement? 
God created man in his own image. What does that provide support for? Okay, soul. What else? Okay, good, good. Okay, and look at the look at the second uh, second line. As human beings made in God's image, we are created male or female to reflect God's glory with equal worth but differing roles. So that would be an attempt to sum up and and immediately someone who has no church background is potentially going to look at that and say that's kind of like a, a Jim Crow law, separate but equal. But biblically, that's the pattern that's laid out that we have equal worth in God's sight, whether male or female, whatever else, but we have different roles. And people are like, well, if you make it all about a gender thing, that's not fair to women. But that's true across society at large. If I have a boss, I'm under that boss. Does that mean I'm less of a person because I'm under someone else? No. I mean, think about the centurion that talked to Jesus, said, I'm a man under authority. He recognized that. He was fine with that. He saw that as the spot where he was in his life. And, uh, but I do think it, it gets at that idea that, basically, if we want to use the fancy word, that it would be complementarianism, not egalitarianism. Um, in other words, men and women, God made us better at different things. And hopefully we're okay with that. Hopefully all the guys don't want to don't want the responsibility for giving hugs because we're lost and we're, we're not as good at that. No. And there's a, there's a range within that. Some of us are better at some things than others. And, and that's where some of the tension comes in. But I think you know, it's just something simple to say we reflect God's glory with equal worth but differing roles. And if we say created male or female, I think that that sums it up. My tension with perfectly and immutably and again, I, I greatly respect our brothers and sisters over at the, whichever church statement it was that says uh, perfectly and immutably, or even if you look down um, wonderfully and immutably uh, on the paragraph, three or four paragraphs down under marriage, gender, and sexuality. Again, as I mentioned before, there is a small percentage of, there's a small percentage of people for whom it's not as quick. It's probably the best way to put it. And in the event that one of those people wanted to join our church, and they're like, I can't join the church because of the way that this is phrased, if we say God made us male or female, I mean, I think that that sums up Genesis 1.26 without being more specific than what the Bible says. Uh, connected with this, the issue of marriage. 90% um, of the passages that deal with male leadership, female submission if not more, are in the context of marriage. And I think in an effort to combat our society's false view about men and women's roles, groups like the, the Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood have taken some of those things that were specifically within the context of marriage and have moved them out into the context of society at large. In much the same way that someone like uh, Bill Gothard, well-meaning trying to... Uh, correct some of those false ideas, did the same thing. He and others, uh, I think of, uh, I can't think of the name of the church, um, is it Hiles? Yeah, Hiles Anderson. I think 
some of those groups, and if I'm misrepresenting them, then I'll stand corrected later, but their perspective is women have to submit to all men. The passage says a wife has to submit to her husband or, you know, different things like that. And then obviously in the context of the church, there's a measure of submission to spiritual authority, and then all of us are under God, and there's all of these different layers of things. And we have to recognize those, but not say more than what the text says. Um, And then the question of the sanctity of life. We ought therefore to defend, protect, and value all human life. I think that that is a helpful summary of that statement. Um, and then, without going into the detail of preborn babies, the age, physically or mentally challenged, every other stage or condition from conception through natural death. That being said, we could potentially put something like those phrases in an expanded click here. What do we mean about the image of God and man? What do we mean about the sanctity of life? What do we mean about created male or female? we can then put those things in the more expanded one. And we're not trying to hide anything by having a more expanded one. We're just saying, if you agree to the basic summary, then you're agreeing to what we believe. If you're confused about what the basic summary means, here's a clarification of it over here. Yes, Bob. And and to Paul's point, I guess what I'm saying as we're talking about this out loud would be less that there would be a different requirement for leadership in the sense of them believing something different, which I think is the tension that you're getting at, but rather that when someone is in a position of leadership, we would want them to make sure that they understand not just the basic statement, but also the expanded statement as well. And so perhaps part of the are you going to be whatever position would be Let's just run through some of these things. Are you, are you clear on these things? Because again, let's say that someone says, I agree that God created man in his own image on the sixth day of the creation week, but in my mind, that has always meant like a day-age sort of idea. And then they're teaching Sunday school, and that's what they're teaching from Genesis to the kids in Sunday school. Obviously, that would be a problem. And so that's why I think short statement, yes, Expanded statement for clarification. The tension with the expanded statement is going to be that not all of us are going to be exactly on the same page on everything. And so we've got to decide with our membership as it stands, with where we are all at individually right now, again, even in the expanded one being specific enough to clarify and explain the shorter one without going into such specific detail that it excludes people, things about which there are legitimate discussions. So again, uh, going back to the one about the Holy Spirit, if someone said to me, I don't believe that 2 Thessalonians 2 is talking about the Holy Spirit as the one who restrains, I think it's human government. 
I don't think that I, ha I can tell that person you can't be a Sunday school teacher because you think that that one passage doesn't teach this one thing given the fact that it's not particularly specific. If someone said, well, we talked about the deity and humanity of Christ, but I don't believe in the virgin birth, which in my mind is probably in the expansion category of the short statement, Jesus is fully God and fully man. Okay, let's explain in more detail what that means. Then I'd have to say, yeah, that's kind of an important deal, you know? So, Right, right. Does that, does that work for everyone as far as a framework to work from moving forward and thinking through about how to, how to organize this a little bit better? Okay. And I'd be glad to have more conversations about this. Again, if this is something that we're going to vote on as assembly and use for 10 years or however long, I want it to be something that we're all on board with, something that we're all understanding what we're doing. Right. Right. Yeah. So, along those lines, this Sunday school, so I can give you all some homework, right? As we continue through this process, make a list of things that you think are important for us to put in the more expanded statement along with passages that would support them. Because it would be possible for us to say, I want to put this in, but I don't have a verse for it. And then we'd have to say, if we don't have a verse for it, maybe we shouldn't put it in. Or at least figure out what the verse is. But I would, I would encourage you to be, as you think about some of these things, go back, read back over it, think through some of the passages that we uh, have talked about, some of the ideas that we've talked about. And, and I think that this will be helpful. So if you look at the verse list below this paragraph here, proposed on man and sin, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, there's ten passages. Are there dozens of other passages we could include? Yes. But we, I think we could include some of those in the more expanded version of this. Um, all right, so any further discussion on at least the basic summary from the, those first three sentences? Anything that you think is unclear, needs reworded, or do we get at the ideas of creation, male-female, and uh, sanctity of life? Uh, just the first three lines is what I was looking at. Okay. Just to clarify, the statement on marriage, gender, and sexuality, I have a little bit of a sense, and I'm willing to, I'm willing to flex on this if everyone else is convinced otherwise. I feel like marriage fits better, perhaps, under the discussion of the church because of Ephesians 5. If marriage is a picture of Christ in the church, then perhaps it's helpful to discuss it in the context of Christ in the church. Uh, right now it's in the, so you've got uh, where it says marriage, gender, and sexuality. It's not currently in our statement of faith. But we had three parts of that big paragraph, marriage, gender, and sexuality. If we ag address gender with creation, which I think is where it naturally fits, then I would say we would address marriage 
with the church. And, you know, I'm, I'm willing to also potentially see it fitting here under the topic of man and creation. Jonathan? Yes. I guess, in my th- and I, I could see your point, I guess part of the tension would be sanctity of life is fundamentally tied to the fact that God made us and we're in God's image. So that's why I would lean toward putting it here. Did you see it a different way or just trying to understand better what you're thinking? Yeah. Sure. So the thing that, that Bob just said about, or kind of building off what Paul said, life begins at conception and has value as sacred, something along those lines, do you think that that would have a place here in these first three sentences, or do you still have a tension with that? So, so if I had to say where, what my thought is between all the things we've just been saying, if this is primarily an issue for someone who has no church background, my thought is that the odds are going to be small 
that they are going to click and read the expanded one right out of the gate. So I would think that we might need at least something here. And like Jonathan was saying, if this is more of an imperative versus a statement, then I'm fine with rewording it to say that um, human life has value from conception to the end of life, just a statement of fact, which I think Genesis 9-6 supports, don't shed man's blood, and uh, Psalm 139 supports, you knew me from before I was born in my mother's womb. Okay, so let me, let me write this down before we go on the next thing so I don't forget. Human life has value. Okay. So statement of fact for the basic one, detail and application in the expanded that word. Yeah. Okay. sake of time, let's move to the second half of it, and then we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss it again down the road. All right. Although God made all things as very good, Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and brought condemnation and slavery to sin upon all their descendants. Anything unclear? Just for sake of time, the things that I was trying to convey with this was Creation starts out good, so there's not death and corruption and all that at the outset of creation. Um, sin entered into the world by a deliberate choice. The result of sin is condemnation. God says that you're a sinner. Slavery to sin, we all sin constantly and according to our nature. And it's on everybody. It's not just, you know, not just Adam and Eve, but everybody that comes after them. Right. Yeah. Because we don't use the word descendants frequently, is that your thought? Or? Yeah, that's a good point. That did cross my mind when I wrote that, but yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Right. Maybe if we just said, on everyone, on every human, on every person, on every person maybe? 
Okay. <laughs> but dogs are people too, right? So that doesn't exclude you. All human beings are, and again, the word thus is kind of a, I couldn't think of a better word than thus. We could just take out thus, are born, are therefore, as a result, are human beings. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you have better wording, feel free to suggest it. This was, uh, yeah. And apart from the salvation that God provides is vague, but we're going to go into that more under salvation. My point is the idea of total depravity without necessarily throwing total depravity into the short version of the statement. Any further thoughts on these? Oh, uh, one other Okay. If there's any further thoughts on these, let's talk about them, and then I had one more thing that I wanted to, wanted to say about this broader topic. Okay. So, the paragraph down there says marriage, gender, and sexuality. Gender, I've argued, deals with creation. Marriage is introduced at creation, but expanded dramatically in the context of the church. Uh, sexuality, I think, is tied in with the issue of sanctification. Think about what it says in Romans 6. Think about what it says in First and Second Peter. Think about all of Paul's lists of vices versus virtues. Yeah. So I feel like it is clearly something that we should have in there, but I really think that if we just put a brief statement under our discussion of sanctification, which is probably what we'll look at next week, the topic of salvation as a whole, if we put a brief thing under sanctification, like sanctification means we're to be holy in all of what we are and do, including how we use our bodies or something like that, and then expand it to get into more specifics to exclude homosexuality, polygamy, etc., etc. Yes, yeah. And that would be a great reference, I think, to, to put into the, uh, to put into probably even the shorter version, but definitely in the expanded one, so... Yes, Sandra. Um, yeah. I suppose the question that I would ask in response to that would be for purposes of a for purposes of sanctification 
I would say yes, but it would still fit because when we say sanctification, we're talking about believers. Is that? I, I'm trying to make sure I understand what you're asking. Okay. Right. Right. Specifically, it is have it does have reference to Christians. All right. So. Um, Right, 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 yeah. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think maybe some of what you're getting at would be, like, someone would make the argument, um, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't do certain things with or to your body because God made it as his temple, and that would have reference to everybody. So that would be why we would oppose something like uh, drunkenness or getting tattoos or things like that. I mean, I've... I think I've heard people make that argument, and I would say, A, that's probably not the primary point, and B, even if it is, yes, it does have limitation to Christians, but as Paul said, this is what we're, um, unbelievers aren't concerned about being sanctified. I mean, it's kind of like the, the believing the gospel, right? Everyone has an obligation to believe the gospel, but only Christians do. Everyone has, at some sense, an obligation to be a temple of God because he made us for him, but the only ones who are actually going to do it are those who really belong to him. So it, it, it's a little bit of a thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Fair. Yeah, and that, that's true of so many of these things. I mean, God... God requires holiness of, of everybody. It says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Paul made the point that God is the Father of all, whether we recognize it or not. Clearly, none of us are perfect as God in heaven is perfect, but as Christians, we're working to be perfect at that point. Yes? That it's, yeah, it's not just my belief versus your belief. It's God versus do you agree with God or not. Right. Right, yeah. And, and we don't have time to go into this in great detail right now, but connected with that would be this idea that you have things like God is as the Bible describes him. Baptism is important for the church. Um... And then maybe some third-level issues about other things, and second and third level. I mean, again, it's uh, there are things that are absolutely essential at the core, and there is no question whatsoever about them in Scripture. There are things that are important, such as the structure of the church, that we would say are clear in Scripture, and we would hold to those things. And then there are things that I think are important because the Bible talks about them, 
but are less frequently mentioned and or are not as essential as those things. And so, again, how do you fit that grid then with this? And that, I think, is where if we say in our short statements, we say we have to have a verse that supports this idea, then that makes sure that what's in the short statement is all of those top-level kind of issues. And then we can get into some of those other ones in the more expanded one. So... And then maybe it's appropriate to say, the Bible says, for the short version, and we believe for the other, because it's our understanding and building off of those. I don't know. Something to think about along the lines of what you're saying. All right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It is a matter of, of language, though, because I know I've gotten into that conversation when with someone, and they say, well, that's just what you believe. Right. Actually, what Scripture says. But then you're going to have somebody down the street from church in a different church that read the same verse and they believe that it says something else. So right. there is going to be that. And there's, with any one of those things, there's three possibilities. He's wrong, I'm right. I'm wrong, he's right. Both of us are wrong. When there's a conflict between the two perspectives. But, all right, let's wrap up. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to look at your word together and think through these things. We pray that you will continue to give us wisdom as we work through this process. We pray that the end result will be something that honors your word, that is clear as a tool for us to use both for our own understanding of scripture as well as uh, for uh, adding uh, new folks to our church. And we just pray that you will bless the service this morning and tonight. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.